Brooke and her husband were ready for a divorce, but listening to our broadcast gave them hope to rebuild their relationship. Thanks to Focus on the Family, we now have a biblical understanding of what it means to be a husband and to be a wife, and we have this vertical marriage that we're so grateful for. I'm Jim Daly. Share the gift of family to rescue more marriages like Brooks. Please visit focusonthefamily.ca. The number one thing they need us to do is keep growing as people, right? emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. Yep. We, we need to keep growing as parents. And when we have struggles in our family, that is the invitation for us to keep growing as people. That's Stephen James, and he's with us today on Focus on the Family, along with his co-author, Chip Dodd, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. Hey, John, most people don't want to admit it, but I think parenting is messy. I mean, there might be that parent out there that has 14 compliant children, and they think they are the best (laughs) parents that God ever created. And we'll be talking to them tomorrow. (laughs) And that's a good thing. But when you have those children that may try your patience, they may push your buttons, all those things, you quickly realize you're not such a perfect parent and things are going wrong. In fact, I wrote a book called When Parenting Isn't Perfect, and somebody I know said, why'd you use the word when? (laughs) I mean, parenting isn't perfect. And I think that's the point. I know there are good parents out there, but being perfect can drive us to extremes. I think the goal is to be a good parent, and I think God will honor that. Well, here at Focus, we want to help you be the best parent you can be, whether that's perfect or not so perfect. Um, And I want to meet you if you're perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We do have Stephen James and Chip Dodd joining us today. They're both dads, and they've seen their share of messy parenting. And uh, Stephen We've perfected the art of messy parenting. <laughs> there you go. Stephen is the founder and executive director of Sage Hill Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Chip is also a counselor and founder of Sage Hill, which is a social impact organization. And uh, between them, they have six children. Welcome to the program. Thank, Thank you, you guys so much. All right, now this isn't some kind of uh, you know intervention on behalf of John and I. It actually is. <laughs> I just want to start right there and say it's you're not actually here. It's an intervention on all of us. To be perfectly honest, you know, the, I think the producers are up to something here, John. Could be, uh, Stephen. Right out of the gate, uh, you have a wonderful story that describes parenting. I think at its best. Uh, tell us about the dispute your boys had over. I think it was a stuffed animal where you applied. The, uh, the art of biblical parenting. The art of biblical yeah, parenting. we had at this point in our family, we had three. We had four kids, but three young boys, five and three and three. We have our youngest two are twins. Heather had gone out of the house for a sanity break for a little while, right? And she, <laughs> Mom has to relieve uh, yeah. herself. Yeah, so that. she left Einstein here at home to watch the inmates. <laughs> and boys were being boys, and one boy grabbed the stuffed dog of the other boy and said it's mine and the other boy said it's mine and and then they ran to me and said he's got my stuffed animal and yes. i said well whose is it and they both said in sync mine mm. right and so i started thinking back on what can i do and i thought of king solomon and i know exactly what to do i'm going to apply biblical parenting so i said well give me the stuffed animal and they gave it to me and i did the worst thing the whole story is i pointed to the younger twin brother and i said you go get some scissors so i've scripted the third child in this whole drama yeah, right. he went and got some scissors how old was that child by the like way three. Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible that was wrong right from oh, the get-go yeah. it's so bad get the, the sharpest thing you bad. can find what can go wrong <laughs> and bring it to me yeah. okay right? it's, 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 uh, this is a bad moment <laughs> let's just start there yes so uh, i mean the dog is barking children are crying and i'm holding the stuffed animal and i said if you don't tell me who it is i'm going to cut it in half thinking solomon wisdom solomon wisdom right <laughs> 
So there, it's mine. Whose is it? It's mine. I look at the third child, and he's like, I don't know whose it is. Leave me out of <laughs> but this. But here's the scissors. <laughs> so I wanted to be consistent. I wanted to follow through on my actions. I didn't want them to think I wasn't uh, like that kind of dad. So I took the scissors, and I cut the puppy in half. Oh. And as the, the stuffed puppy. The stuffed puppy. Let's make sure stu- people yeah, understand that. Yeah, the stuffed puppy. Uh, and as the bottom half of the puppy began to fall away and the stuffing fell out, Heather walked through the door. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it was – the Spirit of God blew through the house. And Can you state her first words? <laughs> the What's stare. happening here? What's happening? <laughs> I can tell you what her face looked like. But, but uh, Dad the, has lost The control. boys were crying, and she said, what is going on? And I said, biblical parenting. Yeah. And then she said, Solomon never cut the baby in half. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. Uh, yes. It, I've got a million of those stories, right, of times where I really was trying to be the parent I wanted to be, trying to engage my children in a place where I was beyond wits, you know, and really hoping to do a good job, ended up being a buffoon in it, right? And now, every year, at some point in the year, they'll bring out that stuffed puppy who's not been fixed. He's still in a bag. I call it the bag of shame. They oh. call it the bag of remembrance. And they will bring it out. Dad, remember when you... Here's your wisdom. Here's your wisdom. <laughs> and I think it's actually a real gift. It's Over time, it's become a gift to our whole family of they're okay with a dad that's not perfect. Like They're yeah. okay. We've been able to repair those relationships. Those moments are such a part of our life that, yeah. that I don't believe I have to get it right every time in order to be their father. You may have overestimated their emotional attachment, <laughs> no, I, I, no, no. <laughs> which is different from the story. Yeah, no, we have some attachment issues. Sure. Well, Chip, you've got your own story. I think you and your wife, uh, Sonia, were uh, talking about um, having children early in your marriage. Oh, gosh, yes. And uh, you said... Uh, you only wanted girls. Yes. Now, I've not typically heard that because, you know, girls can be a handful, too. Yeah. But yeah. what was driving I'm from, you? I'm from a world of males and the brothers. And then uh, I remember we, we were lying in bed, and uh, she was within a month of delivery. And uh, I was just picturing me and my son pitching baseball, and I'd drop the ball or I don't throw it hard enough or something along those lines. And I'm thinking, I'm going to fail this son as soon as he finds out imperfection is part of me. And uh, I remember saying to her, I think we, I just want to have girls. And she told the most beautiful story as a school teacher. She was teaching third grade at the time. And she said, Chip, listen to me. I've seen dads come into our classroom after, at the end of the day. And honestly, if it were my child, I wouldn't let them go with them, that kind of thing. <laughs> but every one of these children say, Dad, like, you're here. Let's go home. Let's be together. I'm hungry to be with you. She said, you'll be great. Just be truthful. Just be honest. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. Well, that's good. Just be who you're made to be. Well, in fact, uh, it's a beautiful story. You did really have helpful. boys. Yes, two sons. Tennyson is one of them. Yeah. And you had this little, I think, uh, reaction <laughs> when you were trying to show them how macho you were <laughs> yeah. by tossing a log or something. Yes, what was that yeah, all about? Yeah, we were still in Texas at the time before we moved to Tennessee. And uh he was on a little soccer team, a little five-year-old soccer team, and uh, they just finished up a game. And then one of the dads on the team played for a, a very famous Big Ten football team. and uh, But they also had the, one of the longest losing streaks of, in, ever in the history of NCAA football. So he's a big, super, huge, muscular guy. 
And at the admiration of all of us dads, we just kind of all stood around and stared at him, you know. But anyway, so after the game one day, we were out just walking behind the house, going through a trail in some woods. And I saw this log that I knew was rotten. I mean, I knew that it had lost its heaviness, you know. <laughs> but it was nice and long and big. So I got ahead of Tennyson, reached down, picked up the log, acted like the Hercules thing, the, you know, the fake Hercules, yeah. and grunted loudly and shoved it away from me. And <laughs> looked at him like, yeah, you know this, right? Like, you see me? <laughs> you see, he literally said, Dad... Brock's father stronger than that. Who was the big football player? <laughs> and I would say, don't you know he's been on the longest losing streak of all kinds? Of- <laughs> but it was uh, quite a lesson that they, our children, see the comparisons. They know when somebody has something or doesn't have something. But who they really want is us. I mean, children are born wanting to, made to, simply love the one that brought them there. Yeah. And it's just an amazing attachment. It comes with birth. It's not going to change unless we end up, you know, forcing the change. Well, I've always said that. It's one of the things, even though I had an alcoholic father, my love for him was pretty strong, yeah. even yeah. with all the imperfections. And I think you see that. You see an amazing love for from children toward their parents. So what's the heart-centric parenting approach? That's your book, Parenting with Heart. So what is it? Well, that's a big question. I'll try to make that an easy answer. But Often parents fall on one side of the line or the other where it's a parent-centric home, right, where parent is the authority. Uh, what the parent says goes, you know, if I say jump how high, don't ask questions less spoken to. Like Sounded those, pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, it makes my life easier. <laughs> and then there's this, you know, more and more families are doing child-centric homes where if Johnny and Janie and this little Susie don't get all their needs met, it's a mess. So we're going to helicopter parent. We're the new phrase, a lawnmower parent. We're going to hover so low and we're going to pave a way for them. Mm-hmm. And we have things like uh, grade emails that pop in every day and how our children are doing and yeah. is my child up to speed in class, right? And really to feed parental anxiety. But so the reality is we have these two family dynamics that are in our culture. One is the parent-centric home and the child-centric home. But w- we believe that God has created the family to be relationship-centric home, where the parent is called to be in relationship with the child first. And the child is made to be in relationship with the parent. Right. And if you put relationship first and, and heart first, then you're really – the picture is raising a good 50-year-old, not a good 5-year-old. Mm-hmm. It, it takes some of the anxiety out of the short term out of the parent, and you're really parenting towards the long-term outcome who the child's made to be. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times uh, what Stephen's talking about, heart-centric – uh, really, really, in a lot of ways, we had the you know the helicopter parent today, which is protecting the child from having to feel anything. And then there was a, the old days was I tell you do this because I said so, and you know get your best halt and go. Just you're on your own early on. Right. And what we're saying is that uh, neither one of those approaches is the right approach, but the right approach is the true approach. As a person thinks in their heart, so is the person. So if we're not helping children deal with life's realities, which means having sadness and hurt and loneliness and fear and anger and shame and guilt and joy, if we're not helping them elevate the expression of what the voice of the heart, then we're not raising them to live in reality. We're protecting them from it or throwing them into it. Right. So we're creating a survival mentality on one hand and a pampered mentality mm-hmm. on the other. Yeah, and they're not able to tolerate what we call the four realities of life, which we may get into. But if a person can't tolerate the four realities of life, they can't live it fully or thrive in it. Well, name them. Go for it. Well, here they are. Number one is the best we ever get is clumsy. 
that we're going to live in this life imperfectly. We, we wanted Number, to name the title of the book yeah. Giraffes on Ice. Giraffes the on publisher ice. didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Giraffes, giraffes on, on Ice. Because yeah. the best we ever get as parents is like giraffes running on yeah. ice. Huh. Just clumsy, out of control, gangly. Like, Which is a great picture. It's a great it's, picture. Yeah. And then the second thing is that uh, we have to live life on life's terms. Uh, there's a guy named Samuel Beckett said that you're on earth and there's no cure for that. The first two chapters of Genesis are wonderful. The last two are great and everything in between is struggle. So life on life's terms. The third thing is that uh, everything really and truly is practice. I mean, parents are practicing. Doctors are practicing. Lawyers are practicing. We're all practicing. So mercy and grace and humility and needing to learn throughout our lives is vital. And then the last one is that it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Yeah. So those four realities are very important. Most parents don't want to have to face that this is how life works. We want to run from it, protect from it, overcome it. But there's no cure from it unless we are able to live as relational creatures connected well, let, to ourselves. Let's get in and talk about some of those. Clumsy, that isn't an inspiring no, it term. Isn't. I mean, I don't know that my highest uh, aspirational goal is to become hey, a clumsy me parent. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather be a figure skater on that ice when right. it comes to the yeah. metaphor of being a good parent. Yeah. But So that either says I'm prideful or I can't embrace what's real. So give me a little more hope for being clumsy. We, we had our first two children. And my wife and I are both counselors, and we were doing pretty good, actually. We we had it down. Like we, <laughs> you were skating. We, we were skating. We were, you know, doing that camel thing where you spin around and we're holding people <laughs> above our head. We were doing a really good job as parenting. And as we talked, we said, you know, a lot of people shouldn't have more than two children, but we can, which is so <laughs> arrogant, right? It's so arrogant. So a few months later, we found out we were pregnant, and we went to the doctor uh, at the 20-week mark because we've done this before. So right. third kid, we'll just wait, and we go to get the sonogram, and the the tech said had this quizzical look on her face, and she said, "Is this the first ultrasound you've had this pregnancy?" Which in your heart drops, right? Right, because you're thinking, "Oh no, like oh no." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, you're having twins," and I fainted. I fell backwards <laughs> into the wall, like fainted, fainted. Heather like went to real shock, story like fainted. real story, Literally not fainted. not hyperbolic yeah, faint. Like yeah. I fainted. So God has a sense of humor. God is what has. You're saying. I, <laughs> at that moment, you want more kids? It felt like Boom. A, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, Heather went into shock, and it took us some moments to kind of wrap our head. It took us years to wrap our heads around. We're, we have twins. We have four children. But really, the humility that came through. We don't have this. You know that God always gives us more than we can handle. Always. Yeah. Right, because if we don't get more than we can handle, we don't need God. Right, and so I also believe He doesn't crush the tender weed. He doesn't, you know, harm us. But He's always giving us more than we can ask or imagine. And twins for us was this freedom of stepping into this clumsy way of we can't get it right. So we took the wrong baby to the doctor for a pediatrician appointment. Right, it was because we're so sleep deprived. We show up and the doctor said, "So where's Teddy?" We're like, "This is Teddy." He's like, "No, this is Henry." And so. You know, God gave us way more than we could handle, but in that we met a living God that was so engaged with us in the overwhelmness, right? Yeah. And that's where I think the gift of being clumsy is this kind of picture of wandering, of flailing, of like a child. You know, we as parents are still God's children, and we're still clumsy. The minute we have it buttoned up is the minute we don't need God. Yeah. And when we talk about clumsiness, we're really talking about the reality of imperfection. We're talking about uh, that we don't have all the answers and those sorts of things. And I remember, I didn't know it at the time, but my mother was teaching me something uh, oh, a thousand years ago now that 
is instrumental now that I'm an older man. And I remember I was saying something really mean to her. I was like third grade. And I remember her saying to me, Chip, this is my first time as a parent. It's my first time to do this. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to do it perfectly. And I remember... I didn't actually think at the time, well, I have an older sister. How come you haven't already gotten this? You know, I, didn't, I couldn't come up with that one. But I do remember my hands sort of dropping and my heart registered something as a third grader. She doesn't have all the answers. She's human, too. And what was amazing was that elicited in me, I think, by God's message in so many ways, a, a cooperative spirit with her. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. As families continue to self-isolate because of COVID-19, the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed in our homes now more than ever. That's why Focus on the Family is providing a free four-week trial of the Adventures in Odyssey Club where families can listen to the full Odyssey library of over 800 episodes, daily devotions, and more. The sign-up process is easy and no credit card is required. In addition, we have just released a new online streaming service called Focus at Home. Focus at Home brings hours of biblically-based, family-friendly entertainment created by Focus on the Family. Movies and audio adventures, readings of best-selling children's books, biblical lessons straight from the Holy Land, and more. Best of all, this will be free of charge during the COVID-19 crisis. For more resources to help your family thrive in these uncertain times, please visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca. That's FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Often in advertising, you'll hear terms like no obligation. But what does that mean? Hi, I'm Danny Deeks, and at Deeks Insurance, no obligation means we'd be happy to go over your insurance coverage and talk about your needs and options with no pressure to buy. And you could benefit either from potential savings on premiums or by getting a better understanding of your policy. Give us a call today at 1-800-240-5283 or visit us on the web at deeksinsurance.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Let's uh, spend a moment on this idea of perfectionism, because I I believe, especially in the Christian community, this is a real problem. I do too. And uh, it's probably our number one parenting issue, is that we figure there is a formula that we can apply. um, And if we apply it accurately and judiciously, then we'll get the right outcome. It misses one really critical point. (laughs) <laughs> Same one the Lord built into Adam and Eve. You have free will, yeah. even as a two, three-year-old, and it doesn't always go according to the formula. There's some parents listening right now who have broken hearts because their 20-somethings, maybe 30, 40-somethings have fallen away. And address that issue of perfectionism in the context of formula and how we can't we can't expect uh, a perfect outcome because, like the Lord, we have imperfect children, and we're imperfect people. I think if we go back even further, a lot of us as parents parent out of our fear and our shame, not out of what our child really needs. And so a lot of those books that have kind of a paint-not-by-numbers approach to parenting, you do this, you do that, you do this, are really a, a advertised, marketed towards parents who want to do the right thing, who love their child, but are really afraid of messing their child up. 
Well, the, here's the good news. You're going to mess your child up. There's no parent that's ever parented that's not harmed their child. And that's good news. That's because... good news <laughs> because it sets them up to be in relationship with you and relationship with God. And seek forgiveness. And, and seek, seek for, mercy. Yeah, mercy. And, and mercy. And so when we think about moving from a perfect parent model where I'm trying to get everything right all the time so that I can feel good about myself and move towards a more relational model where it's my job to help this child grow in the image that they're made to be. And they reflect a unique image of God. And how do I study my child well enough to kind of grow them up how they're made to walk, right? I've got four kids. They all are really different. I have twins. How they go through life is so different. I have one who we homeschool our, our children and one of our twins does biology on Friday, math on Saturday, literature on Sunday, because they have class on Tuesday, right? His twin brother does everything on Monday night. They're both top, like academically top performers. They're really, really bright. But it's so much easier for me to parent the one who does it the right way versus the one who does it the way I actually do it, which is wait to the last minute, hustle, get it done, right? And I want to cure him of my problems. Or you might have, maybe you don't have, but somebody has the kid that doesn't turn it in Oh, I've, I've, on I, Tuesday. Yes, doesn't turn it in at all on Tuesday, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. That's a whole other issue. But, yeah, letting my children's grades be their grades, not marks on my performance as a parent. Mm, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chip, when Tennyson was born, and I think he was your firstborn, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, the night you held him, I think all of us as dads remember that. Yeah. I mean, holding your firstborn child, and mm-hmm. everybody has probably similar but different uh, conversations, yeah. uh, hopefully as believers with the Lord, you know, your hey, commitment yes. to this child as you're holding this child, freaking out like, I'm not yeah. good enough to be a dad. Yeah. What did you go through that with is, Tennyson? You know, I remember because when Tennyson was born, Son- he was born in fetal distress, <clears throat> and Sonia likewise went into shock. I mean, excessive bleeding. And I remember actually looking through the nursery window and seeing him in the little incubator bed. And I remember standing there, and I didn't realize at the time, but tears were just just streaming down my face, and and I could not hold him yet. You know, I right. could not touch him yet. And I remember uh, promising, uh, I will never let harm come to you. I will always stick with you no matter what it takes. I mean, I went down the list of perfection, a list that, you know, I didn't have all the words, but a list so long we never get to the end of it anyway. What were those uh, questions you asked? Yeah, those questions I asked was really statements I promised in terms of I will always be there. I will never, you know, miss a thing. You will never come to pain. I will never let harm come to you. Was this you or God talking? Oh, th- this was me talking. <laughs> On yeah. behalf of God. Oh, I am absolutely <laughs> going to make that happen, perfectionism. And yeah. and really, it, it, because if you have pain, I failed is what I was saying to him instead of saying, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to go through life together. But before we got home, I mean, literally within three days, I had probably broken most of those promises. What are we doing having this child? What were we thinking? How difficult this is going to be? I don't know how to be a dad. I prayed for a girl. I prayed. <laughs> you know, I know. Actually, I was. I, I love the idea of sons by then, you know. But and I found sons to be incredible. This, you know, you found you know girls to be incredible too. But but yeah, the promises are going to be broken. There's our need again. One of the main points in your book, Parenting with Heart, is you say not to ask how am I doing as a parent, but to ask, why am I doing it? Yeah. Speak to the wisdom of that yeah, question. There's even a third deeper question I'll come to in that, too. So a lot of times we're, we're caught up in our anxiety and shame and say, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I doing right by my child? Am I doing right by my value system? Am I producing a child that is going to look respectable that I can admire? 
right? And children are really good at not being admirable. They're Can I add that also people will admire me for my child? Yeah, well, that's really what it is. <laughs> Can I just add that one? Exactly. I, remember, I remember showing up at church one that's Sunday. I'll come back to the – we were in the minivan, we're heading to church, and we realized about at the time we are pulling in that one of our kids didn't have shoes on, right? It was probably eight, seven or eight. And they were <laughs> dressed like not – really great anyway. And they didn't have shoes on. And there's a lot of families that get invites on Sunday mornings on the way to church. It's like the number one time to get to fight because of our expectations about how do we look, right? And we're rolling in and our church does, we practice communion every Sunday. And so we're going down the aisle for communion. And I'd forgotten he wasn't wearing shoes. And like, there's another James kid dressed like that, like barefoot. And, and it's such a moment to kind of go, not how am I doing? Mm-hmm. But what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, where's my heart in relationship with my child? Because God surely doesn't care what, if my kid's wearing shoes on a Sunday morning. Um, the final thought here, and before we close, is really for the parent that maybe has the 15, 16, 17-year-old, mm-hmm. they've been on the perfectionistic end of that continuum between letting them do anything to the other end of more perfectionistic, yeah. demanding behavior. What do you say to them when they are listening to this saying, okay, maybe this is our core problem. Maybe we've aimed so high that we're damaging our children. You've counseled these parents. I am you that know. parent. I, so, in, I'm in that run right, right now. With so agents, think yeah. of that. What And, you know, Gene and I, too, I mean, we yeah. had to go through this, and I'm so proud of Gene um, because it's really been a journey for her. Yeah to let go. But it's been these moments, these inflection points, talking to somebody who really knows what they're talking about that has helped her. What do you see as the revelation, the point at which people go, aha, I get it now? I think one of the things I keep coming back to personally, and when I'm in my office talking with people, is I tend to have the most difficulty with my children at the ages I had the most difficulty. Interesting. So to always remember that my biggest problem with my parenting is me, not my child, and and to take a long-term view of, as we said earlier, who is this child going to be in 25 years? Like, that's what yes. I'm parenting towards. I agree. Right? And there's no test that they're going to take in math or science. There's no team they're going to make or not going to make that's going to predict who they're going to become. But what is a greater prediction is, do you reattune as a parent? Do you reconnect? Do you reengage? Do you stay committed? Even when they're not committed, to, when their child's yeah. not committed to the relationship, do you stay committed to the relationship of helping that child become who God's made them to be, not necessarily who you want them to be? Yeah. The number one thing they need us to do is keep growing as people, right? yeah. emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. Yeah. We, we need to keep growing as parents. And when we have struggles in our family, that is the invitation for us to keep growing. And so, I'm a lot better parent now than I was then growing oh, as I a could, parent. I yeah. could kick some parenting butt parenting yeah. five-year-olds right now. I've totally <laughs> got five-year-olds down. you got yeah. five-year-olds down. <laughs> yeah. Careful. Wait till 15 arrives. But I'm oh, no. your way oh, Thanks again. a lot. Well, yeah. listen, uh, this has been great, but we're, we're okay, out, of out of time. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I mean, obviously, yeah. people need to get the book. It's I'll a great book. It up. Parenting with Heart. <laughs> and, you know, it really expresses something I believe in, which is that you're not perfect. There's the neon sign and that we need to learn relationship yes. over, over perfection. And I think this is the number one issue for Christian parents mm-hmm. particularly. Yeah. So I want to remind you, we're here for you is focus on the family. We talked about it at, at the top of the show, but we have counselors, we have resources uh, like Stephen and Chip's wonderful book, Parenting with Heart, How Imperfect Parents Can Raise Resilient, Loving, and Wise-Hearted Kids. 
right there. Who doesn't want that as an outcome? Uh, get in touch with us and get a copy of that book today. And remember, we're listener-supported in Canada. Uh, your prayer and financial gifts help Focus Canada meet the needs of families in Canada. Yeah, become a sustaining member and make a monthly pledge if you can. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or online, we're at focusonthefamily.ca. When you're at our website, by the way, be sure to check out our Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment. It's free. It takes just a few minutes to fill out. And you'll see your areas of strength as a mom or a dad and maybe an area to work on as well. It's a quick little quiz. It's absolutely free, and it's there online. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. 